2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Underrated Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Derek McDuck of The Undercast Company. And joining me, as always, are Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And
1: Alan Torres. Hey, what's up, everybody?
2: And joining us this week, we have a special guest, Marcel from The Real Chums Podcast. How is it going, Marcel?
0: Great. Thanks for having me on, Derek and team. I really appreciate it. We're having a good time so far.
2: Yeah, yeah. Excited to have you here. Uh, I got to go talk about one of my favorite movies ever, Princess Mononoke, on your show. It was
0: awesome, by the way.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I had a really good time. I had a really good time with that. But, you know, for our listeners out there who may not know, we cover underrated movies here, as the name would imply, under appreciated movies, ones that have slipped under the radar, and... For your pick, Marcel, you chose Equilibrium, a 2002 film directed and written by Kurt Wimmer, starring Christian Bale, Emily Watson, and Tay Diggs. If you want to start us off here, Marcel, why was this... Uh, you gave us a few underrated picks. We mold them over a little bit, uh, but we kind of came to the consensus talking about Equilibrium here. So why was this one that you wanted to talk about?
0: This is one of those movies that went under the radar for me it came out in 2002 uh and i i I didn't see it until like 2006-ish i want to say and like my brother showed it to me he's like here's how he pitched it to me he's like it's like the matrix but not and i was like okay and then like (laughs) i saw the trailer and the marketing for it and they very heavily like almost marketed as like a, a like the matrix but more deeper in thought and whatever but I love this movie just because I I never heard of it. It was 2002. It went under the radar. I saw it, and I was that guy who, like, would tell all my buddies about it. And I was like, have you guys heard of Equilibrium? It came out, like, four years ago. They're like, no, never. And everyone was talking about Christian Bale and him being Batman and, and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You have to watch him in Equilibrium first. And so, like, it, it just became this movie that, like, I was always, like, shooting, like, just telling everyone about it. I am also, like, a sucker for, like dystopian societies and and this movie was it and i also saw this like a year after my freshman high school teacher had us read fahrenheit 451 right exactly (laughs) and so like this movie was like that but with guns and like action sequences Mm -hmm. and it was like this is it i love this movie and not enough Mm -hmm. people talk about it and and it's just not in the zeitgeist um so that's why i chose this movie
3: yeah, enough, no, exactly. For it, uh, building off of that, that is the exact way that I was introduced to this movie. We were actually shown it in class after wa- reading yeah. Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, which is one of my favorite books as well. I I really love dystopian books and stories, except for which is this kind of loosely based off of. And it is a classic. I will give it that of nineteen eighty four. Uh, I don't really like nineteen eighty four. Actually, I love. Fahrenheit four fifty one a lot more, and it's because of the reason that Fahrenheit four fifty one and then this movie is because of that. What a dystopian book should be a warning, but then also a look at like hope that it can be changed, kind of thing. Which nineteen eighty four does not <laughs> does not-, not give that <laughs> ending at all. So yeah, this movie as well. Like hey, I was, I'm Christian Bale is my Batman. I I love him to death, and yeah. and I so coming off of that, and like it, this was like. About yeah, about the time of Batman Begins is when I when I watched this movie in class, and I just I just love this movie. It, it, the action of it is just it, the whole gun kata of it all is such a unique concept, and it's definitely like my 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 brother. Like I was showing, like do you want to see when when I was watching rewatching it for for this episode, I was like, do you want to see the most epic? get gun like sequences that you will ever see in a movie and he's like yeah like, what is it like how like john wick like that and i'm like no this is gun caught up stuff like that and um it, i i really love this movie I, it's of course you gotta have the sean bean kill, dying in a movie um <laughs> it, it's not that it's, so it checks that book bu- it checks that bucket i mean the that checklist of of cinema the, and that, too, is the whole, while it's a very really well-used trope in a lot of different dystopian medias of, like, this, essentially, like, the regulation of emotions and things like that, which, a little sidebar, because I am, like, in regulatory affairs, that's my, my day job, and so the whole, the medication wearing off within a few hours not great medication, like it's not effective at all. Like which, which I, I guess also like plays into the whole, the whole like emotions can't be, you know, beaten. Like you know they'll all, they'll always come through and stuff yeah. like that. So kind of playing off that. But from like it, it would not pass any FDA regulations because it does not work. It's not effective. Um, but yeah, like uh, this whole I I've always loved this whole. That type of dystopian of like essentially like the regulation of of emotions you have elements of that in like Divergent a bit and then also like there's like in video games of like ugh, damn it. there's one where it's like they they take like joy I can't remember it it was just like a very recent indie game but it, it I really love that trope I I and so this movie has always been like a very like niche favorite of mine and then yeah and i also like Taze Diggs and that was like insane to see his his face get sliced it always gets me
0: (laughs) no yeah i think you're right I, i i think like i'm a sucker for for like a good dystopian movie where the focus is like suppressing your emotions right and and it i think it's executed so so uniquely in the sense that like i i love that the movie starts like that first scene when you see Sean Bean and and Christian Bell go in and like, he just takes out that group of of rebels. I can't remember what they call them. Yeah, like
3: revolutionaries. Yeah,
0: of the revolutionaries. Right. But then like, as the movie progresses and as he stops taking prosium, the medication, the fight sequence, like the violence increases, right? Like we, we as an audience are becoming more aware of the violence, whereas at the beginning, like him, It wasn't fading like it just wasn't like there was no blood and like it was all in dark we weren't having any emotion to it. And then as he stops taking the medication we're in the in that ride with him and we start seeing the blood and the holes and the slashing of the face which is (laughs) so iconic but yeah I just I, I I love when it's done. When it's executed that way, right? I think during when I watched this, uh, *V for Vendetta* was coming out at the same exactly. time.
3: Right? Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and yeah, you've got your totalitarian government and like dystopian future, but this one was definitely more focused on that, like the, the the suppressing of the of the emotions and the impact that it can have on society, right? In this movie, they're arguing that whether it's good feelings, bad feelings, anger, joy, whatever, it'll always eventually lead to war, right? To them. So it's just it's a unique concept, and that that I've all that's always stuck with me. I, I I just love it for that.
2: Alan, how about you?
3: Yeah, and with the whole like this is definitely like an anime infused movie. So I would definitely like want to get your feel of it.
1: I remember my buddy was like, "Bro, you ever heard of Gunkata?" <laughs> <laughs> and then that's how I got into it. I was like, "Whoa, uh, yeah, I, I saw this." They told I me, about, about that in Dare." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they're like suppress your feelings here's a gun <laughs> kicks the ass but um yeah no I, I saw this i think roughly around the same time you guys were saying like uh, around batman begins i was kind of like prepping myself because i was like all right who's this christian Bale guy all <laughs> right you know i saw american psycho and i was like okay i dig that and then yeah i got into equilibrium and i was like whoa this movie's super sick and even rewatching it there's like a sequence where he's like Interrogating one of the rebels and like he like throws him on a table, and I was just like, "Oh, there's Batman! Cool." Hmm. But yeah, no, I definitely dug it a lot. It, it I, I kind of, I just really liked more the action aspect of it. I, I like dystopian stuff, but I, I was kind of more in it for like the action because you know what? Nowadays we don't get that. I mean, we do with like the fast movies and and you know every now and again, but I feel like back then there was like a special. Type of action flick, and what I like too is that we we brought this up before on previous shows, where we're not really getting a lot of like just straight you know movies that are like an hour to thirty minutes to forty five minutes kind of thing like that. That's kind of the sweet spot, and I like that this movie was able to encapsulate a great story, a great world building, action, everything all at once, and it was like a nice like time frame. We're not getting that as much anymore, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, long, you know, movies, two and a half hours, three hours, and all that. But sometimes it's nice to just pop on a flick and just give it a watch. But Mm. yeah, this definitely was a super, super sick movie when I saw it. And then rewatching it even now, I was like, oh, man, this is, like, I always forget how good it is. I'm like, holy shit. And, like, my girlfriend, she walked in, and, and she immediately sat down and was like, all right, I'm watching this. Like, it pulled her in immediately. So yeah definitely, definitely a fun flick. and and I really, really like this play. Nice.
3: nice.
1: So itself,
3: I think it warners itself to being able to world build very quickly because of its predecessors of dystopian, you know, like you you see dystopia. okay, you're you know what you're on board with. You can grasp the, you know, the grayness, the bleakness of the world because it's like, yeah, i've I've seen this before. I' read this before. So I think. Yeah, and going back to like how we have we haven't really seen like these one- half hour or an hour and a half, one hour forty five minutes is like this might be a little bit of like the underutilizing too of of that use just use like a a theme or a setting that has been done before, but like yeah, like use that as your base point and build off of it, it's kind of thing too.
2: Yeah, no, I think you can really see the influences in this movie. It they're, they're, you know, it's wearing it's them right on its sleeve. Like you guys have mentioned, obviously, this came out not too long after The Matrix, and everybody's got their guns, and they're, like, doing the martial arts, and they're all wearing these, like, black uniforms. Also, of course, the, the great dystopian fiction that, you know, you touched on, 1984 being a big one, Fahrenheit 451. Of course, I'd throw The Giver in there as well with the kind of suppressing of emotions mm-hmm. and all that. And overall, I think, because I didn't see this movie... A little, a little bit till a little bit later. After you guys, I saw this movie when I was in college, and you know I was like a jaded college kid, and I was just this movie is so dumb, you know. But like you know, at the time I was just like too cool for it because I was like this movie's from 2002, whatever. But you know, considering that my last pick was also a 2002 light sci-fi Christian Bale starring action film, I am no one to judge. <laughs> um, But because overall, I would say that this movie to me felt like, and I mean this in absolutely, like with no shade in the best possible way, this movie feels like what a 13 year old boy would think is the coolest thing in the world. And it's just so fun in that aspect of just like, what if I invented a cool form of martial arts where you also use guns and like, I read that the director invented guntana in his backyard. And I was like, that tracks, that checks so much sense because this movie is just feels like, yeah, somebody like a teenage boy was like, I'm going to write this thing. And it's going to be like, look like Fort Slaying's metropolis. Cause I saw that movie and it's going to have all these cool influences. And from that mindset, I was just not, not, not looking at it as like a cynical teenager, but looking at it now, just, I can appreciate it for what it is as this big, fun, ridiculous action movie that is actually drawing on some real literary classics. and, Beneath all of that kind of fun fluff stuff, the the kind of over the topness of it, it is still doing some really good stuff. That it is saying some, you know, it does have all those themes about suppressing your emotions and government control and stuff that has become more and more relevant as we are slipping <laughs> into a dystopian world. Uh, so yeah, I I had a blast watching it this time. You know, I I, I still, you know. I, I might I might not make my well, a list of all time great movies for me as my a friend of mine is is uh fond of saying it wasn't Ibsen, but not everything has to be. This you can still just be like, let's watch Christian Bale do some gun gun and kill some guys, and you know who doesn't want that.
0: I, I think you. I think you expressed it perfectly. I think I had. I remember when I when I read Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, right? And and then our our teacher. I wish my. Our teacher had shown us this movie instead, but they showed us the the nineteen sixty.
3: Oh no, <laughs> not that one! That's a horrible, that's a horrible <laughs> version of nineteen eighty four or uh, Fahrenheit four fifty one. I mean,
0: yeah, it's so, all,
3: it's like it doesn't make sense that why his wife and and then the the girl are played by the same actress.
0: Exactly, <laughs> and she I remember she she like told us like it's gonna be a little bit weird. It's the same actress plays two people, and, and like it just didn't hit. And then um, I think they like. In my mind, as we were reading and, as, and then as we watched that version of it, I was like, this could be a cooler concept. I love it. It's my favorite book. But, like, I think, like, we, we need a remake of this, right? And I think what you said, Derek, like, this is definitely my 15-year-old self being like, I'm taking Fahrenheit 451. I'm adapting it, but with guns, with awesome action sequences, with trying to explain the efficiency of why shooting guns this way and this way and that way is 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 efficient, right? Hmm. What do they say? It increases your proficiency by like 125%. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, uh, 100%. It is just that. It is just a fun flick where it's got some awesome action sequences. Very different in the sense that like, during this time, everyone was kind of spoofing the matrix, right? Like mm-hmm. it had such an impact on on cinema and 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 the choreography of action sequences, whereas this one didn't really necessarily like pick up on the slow motion aspect of it right um so it, it, it's In opposite
3: diff- direction <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so so I think it is that it's just a fun flick with a lot of influences and, and that's what we have.
2: And then one other thing, too, that I, I was really noticing this time around watching it is that I really like that Christian Bale is just an empath, and that is why he is so good In, intuitive. at...
3: Intuitive. He's a, intuitive.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to call him an empath. Uh, but And that's why he's so good at... At the beginning, he's so good at both being like someone who can... Understand how others are feeling when he is hunting them down, but also can relate and slip into the resistance so easily. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the beginning, like they have, there's that whole scene where they're like, well, how do you know people know what they're feeling? And he doesn't understand feelings yet, but he still has that in him where he is able to relate to other people's emotions and understand them so well even with his feelings being suppressed, that he's like, oh, I know that this person's feeling this. I know that they're doing this and this and this. And then that all comes around full circle. He stops taking the, the drug. He starts feeling things again. And he's like, oh man, this is the greatest thing. So I thought that through line, that piece of his character, where he is so just emotionally resonant with everyone around him and is able to understand other people's emotions and how that at the beginning is a tool used against the people which is then turned into a weapon for them at the end was such a cool progression for that character.
3: Say I would say actually like because so I I I've been like thinking about this like for for like um an idea that I was I've been thinking about but like the difference between intuition and empathy like there is a fine line and where i think that the reason why they chose into intuitive instead of empathy is because empathy in include is is net neat the feeling actually feeling is needed for empathy so i would say that like kind of like he probably because deep down he was empathetic he had increased intuition and and it was this like progression of the intuition actually being empathy and then once the like the literal floodgates of not taking your medication like it it shows his actual full pure empathy and so like i would even say that even like that like the whole reason why they they called them intuitive instead of empath empathetic might be because of that reason and it is definitely like, it's cool to, if you think about it that way, because further suppression of how you are actually, you know, as a person, like the, to explain like empathy as, like, no, you're just intuitive, is kind of like rem- even removing like the feeling of feel, of feeling or emotion from even that. Like it's just like, in- in- it increases that like facade of, of being emotionless and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. And I think what I'm going to is like, I I do think I would do call him would call him empathetic because they are, and they are suppressing that, but that is still in him. You know, that is still that innate empathy while he doesn't know how to express it or what it even means with him and people. And it, it even makes his superiors a little bit suspicious of him he, he doesn't really know how to express it or what that part of him is until later on in the movie, and that empathy really comes out.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I, I think I like that. I think that he is empathetic, but the society has, they encourage the intuitiveness of, of, mm-hmm. of, their, of their cleric, right? Mm-hmm. They encourage that, and they, they're looking for future uh, and, and potential individuals that can have that ability. But they've branded it and marketed it as, you're intuitive, not empathetic, mm-hmm. even though exactly. it is. It requires that, right? It requires for for, and we see that with Christian's character, he is empathetic. He and he builds on top of that, but society has distorted and and tarnished emotions in general. That no, we're not calling it empath. Em, we're not calling you guys empaths, right? Right? We're calling you uh, an, an intuitive group. So it, it's interesting. I, I love that, and and I think even. Even that poem that Sean Bean reads to him, right at the, so uh, at the
3: beginning, incredible.
0: It's so good, right? Mm-hmm. It, and, and it's it's the I think I wrote it down. It's the the wishes for the cloths of heaven, right? And mm-hmm. it's by by William Butler Yeats, and mm-hmm. and essentially it's just a poem about like this this profound desire to offer something magnificent and beautiful to, in this case, the the writer to to his beloved, right? And that individual is imagining, you know, the possessing uh, of these heavenly fabrics, right? Had I, had I had the heavens embroidered cloths and wrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night and light and half the light, I would spread the cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams. And then he, right, I have spread my dreams under your feet, tread softly because you tread on my dreams, right? And I think that that last part, right, tread softly because you're treading on my dreams, I think that's that's where that empathy in christian's character really kicks in right mm-hmm. it's in there it's suppressed but when he, when sean says like i'm i'm offering you and all i have are my dreams be careful with them my dreams my hopes my my desires of wanting you to feel what i feel that's that's all i have and and so i think that's where that empathy kicks in i love that yeah
3: Yeah, that poem like literally represents true vulnerability and with vulnerability means like, you know, like true and most natural and pure emotion. And that's why that it it just hits you in the core, like with that thing of like that is it's pure vulnerability. And that's like what the society has robbed itself robbed its citizens of like of having that pure that pure love when it comes down to it of the emotion and of of, like just having that feeling of connection whether it be with you know a significant other or with just a friend just that that removal and and the purity of of just human connection and that's what that poem essentially represents
1: kind of yeah Now, well, you guys hit every nail on the head, so you guys kind of beat me to the punch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, though, that, no, that's that, you guys have all said it incredibly eloquently. So you guys have, well, knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I don't know what to say.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say, I, I think you you bring up that lack of connection with 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 a person or you know with with whoever, but like, there's also that lack of connection. Obviously, in this movie, with like with art. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, Derek, with what's happening, you know, in our current mm-hmm. society, like i love. I think it stood out to me more now that uh, using art as a form of rebellion. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. And, yeah.
0: and, and it's such a whether it's using the poem, whether looking at the Mona Lisa as it burns, um, it, it, there's this power in in in, in music and in literature. That can evoke these emotions, but yeah, that lack of connection with individuals or even with with art, I think it's portrayed very well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this is my second favorite movie where you, the Mona Lisa burns, uh, burns up. Uh, I won't say what the other one is because it's a spoiler. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think you know that that all leads really well into something that I was thinking about, which is throughout the movie you see everything is this gray very concrete, reminiscent of like the underworld in metropolis kind of vibes. And they shot this in Germany, you know, to utilize all the East German very like the construction there. It's all just very minimal and just blocks and everything. But then there's that moment when he is starting to feel things and he wakes up and hears the rain. And I'm just like I'm somebody who like loves the rain on my like hearing the rain on the window. And he tears away that you know shade or whatever that is like stopping the outside world and he like looks at it and it's like wow this guy has been surrounded by this like you've only been seeing this gray dull formless future but it's like wow seeing that sunrise and the zeppelin coming it's like they made a dope fucking future world (laughs) and he didn't even realize it and we didn't even realize it in the audience so it's so cool because he's having that moment of wow this looks so fucking cool and i never noticed at the same time that we watching it are having that reaction. And it really ties into everything you were saying about appreciating art and appreciating the natural world and all of that.
0: I I think that scene stood out to me the most this, this time around, like I, he starts scratching off the film on, on the window there. Right. And, um, but you're Mm. right. I think, I think I'm always caught up with like the, the production design of this movie and, and how like, how blank it is but it's it is a cool future it, it it is a cool aesthetic that they created as the filmmakers and as the product the production design um and, and set design but like we don't appreciate it until that scene which is like i don't know like like 40 minutes into the movie and and i like that that we're having that same experience as preston uh with him as he's scratching off that film off the window yeah it's really cool
3: yeah no it just comes with a whole like metaphor of of rain itself and the washing away and like just the symbolism of that just like yeah like water make creates like a new beginning and and things like that so it's just that scene is a very a very beautiful scene
1: yeah yeah absolutely i think one of my favorite little scenes since we're talking about art you know he's uh, he's never really had the opportunity to express himself in any way and you know because of the things I have to take and everything. And I think one of my favorite little small moments in this movie is the rearranging of the desk mm-hmm. of him, mm-hmm. because like we all do it. I mean, all of us in our own workspace or in our homes, you know, we we arrange things the way we want them. And you can see, like, I, I'm not going to lie the more and more I think about it. I really love Christian Bell's performance in this film, especially because like, I, I like his gradual, kind of change throughout. Like he's so stern and just emotionless. And then little by little there's these like little instances of him. I mean, it's plainly obvious, but I think that was my favorite little moment of him like figuring out a way to finally express himself. And it's something so small as just rearranging your desk, moving things. And then I love that the when um the other cleric shows up and he's like, What are you doing? And he's like, Oh, it's just for Optimum performance, you know. I just want to make sure everything. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. That was a great (laughs) save, but I I feel like every and anybody would have been like, okay, sure. But yeah, I think that was a great little moment because I think everybody in general loves to express themselves in any fashion. Even people who are like, well, I'm kind of boring and I don't really know. There's something, even just something as simple as like a mug, like their favorite mug that they drink uh, the, the coffee out of the morning. I don't know. I really, really dug that.
3: Yeah, that that all those like little droplets of like of him like changing or switching things up, running around and stuff like that. I think I guess I had forgotten like of that little line at the end by by you know the chancellor whatever he is. But I was like, "How are you not like getting like they're gonna catch you? You're acting like you're acting. You're like literally acting out and things like that." But then it also. It like ended up being all by design, like they yeah they wanted they they you know they wanted they knew all along kind of thing, but it 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 just it even that kind of adds like a an enjoyment to to the story as well of just the cat and mouse kind of thing of of element as well added to it.
0: Do you guys think that? Uh, and maybe this was just me, but like I was watching Tay Diggs' performance, but like was he?
3: He he was off. He he had emotions.
2: Yeah, right. Like
0: He and very- the
3: Chancellor had emotions, yeah.
2: Yeah, he kept like, smiling. I was like, why yeah, is he smiling yeah, so yeah. much?
3: Because it, it like he was he was plant he was a plant. He was a little plant from the beginning. Mm. You know, they wanted to use and manipulate um Christian Bale's character. I would think that, that they had this planned in since his you know, since his wife, you know, essentially. Right. And because he didn't catch on, so there was something like deep within him that was susceptible to to to, you know, essentially starting to like fall suit with his with his wife of of rebelling. So I think that this it it was just like a very long con of mm-hmm. of for him, of, yeah, they like tried to use him. but he he got the best of of them in the end. like he, mm-hmm. And that's mainly just because he's like, I like he's well trained kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like so Ariel,
0: Ariel, so are you saying that Tay Diggs' character was never on on prosium
3: He, I don't think he was. No, I think similar to how the Chancellor was. Yeah. I think he's, oh, he was a plant from the beginning. That's why, literally, like he and he repeats, it, he says it the first time that they meet, and then he repeats it twice, after, yeah. of like, I'm gonna make my career off of you like because he was he knew he was going to make his career off of him by essentially helping with this ploy to use them as a tool to to get the resistance
0: i like that you pointed that out because i think this last time i was just like Oh, he's too charming and charismatic like, I, I like it. <laughs> right
2: like he's so good.
0: he's so good but like why is why isn't Procyon working on him it almost feels like it wasn't uh, but no I, I like that because then yeah it, it is long con and and mm-hmm. it's just playing him for the long run just so they can exploit him so yeah i like thank you for pointing yeah. that out
2: yeah no and and ariel that's a really good point because that also brings up another really interesting parallel is you have the guy in charge and you have his kind of like right hand man like the muscle the darth vader the dragon whatever of the you know the evil regime and it's the while they are keeping everyone below them on emotion they have no emotion they are like well we're in charge so we have to have emotions the exact opposite is what the Re- william fried friedman character is saying he's saying like oh we he's like there's so-, so that everyone can have, have emotions we can't you me the leader and you are you're going to be like my right hand man and go and do be like my agent you can't have emotions so it's an interesting parallel between those two the, the two factions where it's like yeah we're fighting for these different ideologies but we as the people leading this are going on the exact opposite of that so i think that's very fascinating
3: i mean it's just it's just the society that is has always existed in my opinion of essentially the the higher up say like yeah no we we're, we're suffering the same amount but no they don't they don't they no. have they are well off they you know they have society i mean they have they like essentially yeah like they they get to indulge and they're not suffering you know kind mm-hmm. of thing they they well the ones that have the the most um resources to suffer a bit Aren't the ones that suffer, <laughs> and so it's just definitely yeah. Like it, it just follows suits, and it just like it more further ex- extends how this movie reflects you know society in all. No, that's also a really too, good catch.
1: Either. Also, if you take a look at the end of the final boss fight, my girlfriend actually pointed this out. She was like, "He's wearing white exactly. when everybody's wearing black." Mm-hmm. Yin exactly. yin yang. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Going back to that to that point, uh, Ariel, that you brought up uh, of the of the of the rain, right, symbolizing a a rebirth, right? Mm -hmm. Him wearing that white of symbolizing, you know, like he's a new person, a reborn, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So, yeah, no, good call out, yeah,
2: yeah. And that's another, I would say, with the all the rain stuff, and it just remind it's another showing another one of its influences in Blade Runner. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, like uh, especially like especially with with Blade Runner twenty forty nine of that feeling like i just feel feel like at some point they're gonna like go into a room and and like go through different questions like and say acknowledge like yeah and, i, I was expecting stuff. to do that, that
2: test yeah, with yeah. Like the, you, i was expecting someone to be like you flip a turtle on its back you know
0: <laughs> so question for you guys why mm-hmm. do you think that other dystopians so i mean shortly after this within like the first within like a decade we start getting like the Maze Runner and 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 like all these other, I love
3: Maze Runner.
0: Uh, whether it's Hunger Games, uh, whatever it is right, we get we get all of these additional like dystopian movies, yeah, adaptations from a book. But like, what what made those more be more in the side guys, than than like An Equilibrium?
3: Uh, oh, like just well, the ones that you listed off are very like they're young adult. Yeah, And, um, but are you talking more about like a fantastical element or just like kind of like of, of,
1: I think he means why is it that equilibrium wasn't as big at the time and why are these films bigger now?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like one, because they were like age group wise, again, you know, kind of thing of, of like, uh, this was like when, when. Essentially, it is grabbing the people that that, like Maze Runner, Hunger Games, um, Divergent were the age of, you know, kind of thing. like, you know, that's that's the age that I, I started to read those books as well was around this, the the age that I, I watched Equilibrium, you know, kind of like a generation that is coming up now in society. And because even even before this, like, dystopian movies hadn't hit its mark just yet like you said like fahrenheit 451 wasn't like the, the greatest 1984 the that movie adaptation was was like a niche one other just dysto- alien dystopian movies were kind of like in the in the zeitgeist at the time when equilibrium kind of came out i think you, you were coming out of like you know like invasion of the body snatchers and and like um what was soylent green um that kind of like those kind of movies and things like that so I think maybe that kind of thing, and then also overall, um, it, it's um Dimension Studio, right, is the one that produced this. They yeah. they didn't really produce they majority of their movies didn't get that much like notoriety. Scream. <coughs> scream, Scream, <laughs> Scream, was was the breakout. But even Scream <laughs> is a niche movie, you know. Oh, like, uh, I
2: don't know about that. I don't I don't, don't, think I don't, think so. I I don't know about that. <laughs>
3: Well, but sorry, but yeah. go
1: ahead.
3: <laughs> but but yeah, like I guess Scream is like one of the only few. Um, but then also, yeah, maybe because of the whole Matrix of it all, kind of like seeing that is like yeah, that's highly computer graphic compared comparatively to this. This one's a, a lot more practical in a way. And so seeing they it might have been seen as like kind of a knockoff of, yeah. of Matrix, like as it was mistakenly you know associated with, which I don't agree that that uh, with it like being associated with the matrix um i think it's i i like this movie a lot better than the matrix
2: uh i think to build off i think there's two reasons and the 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 first one i think it lines up with you you're saying ariel about the demographic like the age group of this because i think that teens ya fiction stuff like that if you are going to wake up to the crazy totalitarian regime and just all the bullshit that's going on you're more likely to do it in the age range that would be set like there's not a lot of people that are middle-aged that are just waking up one day and being like you know what I think that I'm gonna start waking up to like all the horrors around me after being complicit with it you're much more likely to you're still being molded kind of into the person you are when you're a teenager and so that may be why you line up with more of like identify more with like Katniss Everdeen than you know christian Bale's character in this but i think the other reason why a lot of these started to hit in that time frame from like you know a couple years after this is because this came out in 2002 so we were still very early in the bush regime Mm -hmm. i think that once we were really into it once people because people were still kind of like high on like his whole poll numbers were pretty good but then people like a couple years later were like hey you know, the Patriot Act, that thing that's surveilling us, it's pretty messed up. And I think that like that kind of totalitarian, those vibes started to kind of permeate more in. And that's why some of the things that came out a couple of years after this, oh five, oh six, oh seven, oh eight, really resonated with people because people had kind of come down off that high of like, oh, we're America, we're going to go kick ass to like, this isn't great. Um, so I, I think it was a big timing thing.
1: I kind of wanted to jump on what Derek was saying. Yeah, a big part of it. I think also too, nine eleven was pretty fresh, mm-hmm. and I know nine eleven had affected a lot of stuff, especially uh, anything that was like I don't want to say dark, it's but the like
3: patriotism of it all.
1: Yeah, yeah. like I, I think it it, it kind of hit a little weirdly. Where like I I think. The the, the the year after 9-11 and the, maybe even after that, there was a very, like, you have to be careful with what you say, you know, what, what you want to see, you know. Networks and studios were pushing things out. I mean, how many, you know, films have, like, scenes that were edited or posters changed, you know, mm-hmm. Leland Stitch, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just one of those where... I, I don't remember this film being advertised heavily. I think I remember being advertised as like oh it's like the Matrix. Yeah. Like Marcel was saying earlier. But um yeah and then I think like Derek you were saying later on, you know, all these things started happening in politics. And there was just a massive influx of like popularity in YA and a lot of YA novels are pretty much dystopian stories. And now if you look at the early 2010s we were you know as much as now we're filled with comic book films i remember the early 20 even late 2000s there was so many of like dystopian films t- television shows everything and i think also too i don't know if it's like i don't know how to say but like i feel like maybe that was our generation like that was our because I was a teenager at the time like you know when, when a little after this movie came out and all those books and films started coming out so i feel like like you said it was the perfect time for everybody to start feeling that like you know and you're a teenager so you immediately are ingrained to rebel so that that's something that catches your attention immediately and i think that's what just kind of took over and i think equilibrium just was a little late well i shouldn't say late it was ahead of its time yeah a little a little too ahead of its time before Reaching it, and and it isn't it always the way, you know, mm-hmm. with all of these underrated films.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I do think honestly this film kind of has had a resurgence in popularity because I don't remember anybody really speaking about it very highly even when I was in college, and then I went on like Letterbox to just kind of see like expecting people to be like trashy get and stuff like that. And it doesn't have, like, a great, but it's got, like, a 3.3. That's better than a lot of movies. That's, like, above average. So I think people have, like a lot of the films that we've talked about, started to really come back around to it. And I think it, yeah, is because, like you said, Alan, it did probably just come out a little bit too early before that people were appreciating all of these these themes in it.
0: No, that's great. That's a great point. I think, yeah, I, I, was, that, I was that kid in junior high that... I got introduced to Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. you know, like at, in 7th grade and while everyone else was listening to I don't know all American rejects I had my <laughs> you know evil empire <laughs> shirt from from Rage Against the Machine and and so I think like for me I think that's what it is we 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 as a society couldn't we couldn't portray a a we couldn't portray like a an americanized a a north american society in a dystopian aspect and talk bad about it right because we were all pro-america you know right after uh 9-11 and and so i think you're right like that movie just came out a little bit too early like it 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 came out too soon um and then it was started it, it was marketed as like you know, better than the Matrix or, or whatever, and it has nothing to do with with the themes um, it, as the Matrix. But I think that's what it was like. It just it came out too too early, and and we we as society couldn't couldn't talk about like a, a an evil government unless mm-hmm. it was clearly marketed as a Middle Eastern country, right? In, right? in our in our media, that's the only way we could talk about evil governments at that time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And interestingly, I think, yeah, this is now I'm thinking about it, like all the ones that we mentioned, the ones that got film adaptations, 1984 Fair and Hyper 51, those are all set in England. This is really what like the first one, like you said, yeah. Marcel, that is an American totalitarian dystopia.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: At least that got a, at least that we saw on film and not on like a book form or something. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, uh, before we wrap up, guys, any any final thoughts on equilibrium?,
3: No, just like, it, yeah, if you, you're a fan of of like the dystopian thing, it, it's it's a staple. It should be a staple for you because it just grasps it so well. and with with such simplicity to it as well, because it is it like even the concept of of being emotionalist, like it it's it in itself just encompasses something that, like, you as a human do sometimes desire, but then you it it sh- but then it shows like the real cost of it, like going back to like yeah, what is the cost between feeling or and not feeling? You know, like what is what is the right thing to do? And then like yeah, in the end, like you and as you know, you kind of think to yourself usually, hopefully, yeah, like feeling is is a gift and sh- and is a lot better. It's a lot better to feel than to. To
0: not feel I love that yeah, I think for me, yeah I, I, I think what stood out, and I touched briefly on this because of what's happening in our society, I think using art as a form of, of expression, rebellion even um, it's so crucial, so important to have to express that that level of creativity to emote those, these feelings, right that it's better to feel than, than not feel too. Better to to have lost than, than not experience anything at all, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I I love it. If you haven't seen it, this is this is great. Go read Fahrenheit 451 and then watch this <laughs> as its adaptation, because <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. it's so much better. But and hopefully one day we'll get a we'll get a good Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> is the Michael B. Jordan
2: one any good? I didn't see that
0: one. I watched it.
3: alternative. It's like it's doesn't it, it's not true to the book. That's okay. the thing is that it's not true to the book, so it's kind of like. Ah, like he had a perfect thing like guy montag Hmm. doesn't have a a a wife they kind of take his 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 story in a different direction kind of thing it is like more so like kind of similar to like the evil dead movies uh, of like uh it's a success it's like a spiritual successor kind of thing than an actual like adaptation yeah, kind of, yeah. so yeah, it,
0: it was well casted with michael b jordan michael shannon right yeah and and it's super exciting in that sense but then I, I think they took out those elements that really put guy montag on on the path to to his uh, awakening yeah it was it was just a bit of a bummer but That's one day we'll get we'll get the one
1: <laughs> and uh marcel so sometimes uh during episodes at the end of the show i like to ask just like a little fun question uh for everybody and i wanted to ask what is your guys is like I, I mean you guys have kind of mentioned fahrenheit 451 and uh, 1984 but what is like a i guess dystopian type of story that you would recommend to people
3: so yeah like film wise film wise
1: yeah
3: mm. um i was gonna say the
2: giver but that movie is trash so never mind
3: (laughs) i i like the yeah the giver the book did it it, i mean the movie did okay but the books are definitely like if you have not read the um quadrilly the quadrilogy the the, the quadrilogy the quartet i
2: think it's called on the box Uh,
3: (laughs) yeah the quartet it's it's such a beautiful series like i freaking love Mm -hmm. it i think um um gathering blue is like one of my favorite books of all time nice. um but um but yeah like it just the uh, um yeah just I gosh dang it the movie wise i like really truly and i know it is based off a book but the maze runner series movie series did a really w- wild job of adaptation like they they did kind of cut off like the fat of the book that like you're like yeah didn't need that. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a very really good um cohesive like, you know, a series has my guy Th- Thomas and and played by Dylan O'Brien and uh and yeah, like I I really like that series. Um I have a soft spot for for yeah, the Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. Um that did like, you know, like not as great, not not the greatest of adaptations. Did a pretty well job. Like I I think I put Maze in a little bit higher than that, but but yeah, the Hunger Games movies just have a soft soft spot for that. Kind of trying to think of like a serious <laughs> dystopian movie, like this one definitely. Yeah, come back to me and I'll think of like a good serious dystopian movie.
0: I was thinking, I I, I actually just not just, but like four months ago, I just re I rewatched the Hunger Games, and that first one is so good like I had forgot how good the first one is like it's almost like it's almost
3: first second one are, are like yeah top notch yeah and then and then like just because of like the changes that they made in Mocking Mockingjay part one and two mm-hmm. like you want more because the book had so much more in Mocking Jay that it's like like it, it, it's okay. It's good enough, but you want you wanted the more kind of things.
0: Yeah, and and I think even the like this first one when I rewatched it, it was like probably my first time rewatching it in like I don't know five years, but like it it it's very like it's almost shot like an in in the, an indie movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's very oh, yeah. like, low budget, and it, it and Derek knows this on our on our podcast. We always talk about like sitting with our emotions. Like it really like there's a lot of times where it's just. Quiet and it's just you're just following Katniss, looking at her reactions, processing her emotions. But yeah, that one. And I was thinking, Children of Men.
3: Mm. Children oh, Men. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that a one's good one. Good. Yeah. That one's yeah. a good
2: one. I mean, I'll I'll I was just gonna like mirror what you guys are saying because um anybody can see the video, can see the kind of corner of it here. But I've got I stole this from the movie theater when I worked there. I've got the like, Catching Fire thing on my wall. I I do love the whole series. I mean, I also love. Both Jay one and two, I think all four films are really fantastic. I think that first one though is is probably my favorite. It's um, Lawrence, who's I, I know they're all. Lawrence. It's the only. Uh, what's his first name? Um, but I can't Francis. remember. Frances Francis Lawrence. 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 Um, yeah, but like that. First one is, you know, so good. It's got that handheld thing. Uh, I I really think they're all incredible. I'm very, very excited for uh, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I'm a huge, like, I just devoured those books. So I'm just a huge fan of that entire series. You know, the year that it came out, 2012, the first one, it was, I wrote a little blog at the time, and I named it as my favorite film of the year, and that was a really incredible year for film. We've actually talked about a number of 2012 movies on this podcast. Um, and I'll admit something that I haven't admitted on the podcast before: I, I actually did write some Hunger Games fan fiction. So I was I was all on board for that shit. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Publish, not, it. But... Publish it, the website. To <laughs> be
3: ashamed of? I've written fan fiction too. It's a really awesome form of art.
2: <laughs> uh, thank you, thank yeah. you.
3: <laughs> probably probably one of the
2: more popular things I've written. <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> of fun. It was a lot of fun.
1: Well, my pick—I don't think you guys ever heard of it. It's a uh, old movie. It's about like some kid where, you know, his his uncle and aunt get killed by the government, and then some old hermit oh. picks him up, and he goes, "Hey, do you want to go <laughs> take out these sons of bitches?" It's it's this movie called Star Wars. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. No, uh, no <laughs> never heard of it. Uh, no, but um, seriously. Um, since you guys are all going to Hunger Games, I'm gonna to have to go with the OG then. I'm gonna to have to go with Battle Royale.
2: Oh, okay, Royale. all right, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
3: But is it really dystopian? I haven't seen Battle Royale. I need to watch it. But is it really a dystopian like society around it, or do they just like capture yeah. kids kind of thing? No, okay. it's a dystopian
1: oh. society around it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I need to watch it. Flick. I mean, I need to watch you, it. You'll see a lot. Maybe we'll cover it on this on this. So site, that's
2: a good idea. This
1: one, but uh. Yeah, it also influenced a fucking plethora amount of battle royale games as well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a big influence, Braylon. But yeah, that that'll be my pick as a battle royale. Plus, um, it's gorier.
3: Yeah, something else going games. off of that
1: <laughs> that
3: like, battle royale and like kind of dystopian. Yeah, like at the start of a dystopia, uh, quote unquote. I'll leave it at that. But something I I I recently watched. And it's become, like, one of my favorite series, TV series of all time, is Alice in Borderlands. Um, I oh, cannot I recommend that series so much. And that dystopian and that battle ro- form of battle royale is so <laughs> incredible. And the story and just the ending, I think it has to be, like, one of my favorite endings of anything. For mm-hmm. Like, it's in my top, for sure. It's such mm-hmm. a... Beautiful story from start to end. Really nice, good
2: nice. Really good. I just I just want to correct myself real fast. I just double checked. Francis Lawrence did was the guy who did all the Hunger Games except for the first one. The first one was Gary Ross. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh but yeah.
2: Well, uh, that was great, guys. i honestly, like, I think coming out of this I love it when I, I go into a, a podcast being maybe a little bit mixed on a movie and just the discussion makes me have so much deeper of an appreciation so like i know which i think definitely happened here I, i'm i came out of this having such such a more positive opinion i think than i did going in so which is what i love doing this stuff but yeah uh marcel where can people find you tell people about yourself and and the real chumps
0: yeah we uh real chumps we're, we're a podcast where we're chatting about movies feels like hanging out with friends uh and that's kind of what we want to do is just have Genuine, sincere conversations with with our with our listeners, but uh, you can find us uh, on any platform uh, on Real Chums. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter at Real chumps uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Marstrosity, M-A-R-Z-T-R-O-S-I-T-Y. We, my my co-host Danny, he's a he's a director, uh, video editor, has his own production company, so he's the one that provides the the real insights. Where I just come in and just kind of talk about my love for movies uh so we have a a unique dynamic in that sense but yeah give us a listen uh and and thank you so much for having us on uh or having me on this is
2: this is a great movie to talk about yeah thanks for coming on absolutely thank you so much yeah and then ariel want uh you do want to mention your other podcast that you do as well
3: yeah I do a podcast called You've Ever Seen. It comes out at the start at, at the, on the 1st of every month. So, um, except, you know, there's always the back catalog. And then, if you're close to the beginning of the month, expect that very soon. But yeah, yeah go on and check, check that out. I have really awesome deep discussions usually about, about things and things like that. And, like, definitely usually always come out of, on, of finding a new thing about, about a movie series that I have just been introduced to, or my, my um, guest
2: has just been introduced to, and, and we get our first impression moments. Yeah, it's a lot of fun too. And then I will just mention too that I'm on one other podcast as well. Uh, check out Can I Say Something that I do with my buddy Damon. Uh, he's the host. Uh, I'm just kind of the co-host there. I'm the color commentary, if you will. Uh, but we, and then we do a number of other things too here. Uh, look up Undercast Company. all the social medias to find all our stuff Uh, we've been playing around with tiktok we started a short film review series over on tiktok called microdose it's also on our instagram and our youtube as well so check us out on all those places and then check out our patreon Uh, we do some bonus podcasts for people uh, who are our patrons Uh, we have somebody who has it's coming up soon. Uh, once you're a patron for six months at the $5 level, uh, you get to pick an episode for us. So we're going to be doing the first ones of those soon. We're about to hit the 6 months uh, part since we started that. But even if you just pay a dollar a month, it makes a huge difference to us. We appreciate it so much. Uh, and then you get to hear us talk about some other cool stuff on our undercast film. Um, but yeah, thank you, Marcel, once again. Thank you, Alan and Ariel. And thank you guys for letting me... Appreciate this movie in a much deeper. So until next time, I'll, I'll see you guys all. Thank
1: you.
3: Bye. Thanks for being amazing.
1: it easy, everybody.
0: I am having this is crazy, but I'm having feelings again, like like some kind of fourteen year old kid or something. I mean, you remember feelings, right? Yeah, I have feelings every single day of my life. Do you? Are you saying you don't have feelings?